Welcome to the Adaptive Special Needs Career Podcast, where our mission is to inspire others towards a career working with the special needs population. Also, if you find this podcast helpful to you, please consider writing a review, rating it, and sharing it on social media. You never know how a simple review or even share on social media could lead someone into picking a career working with the special needs population. Today, I am so excited. We have a very special guest. Her name is Elaine Gardner, and she is a certified occupational therapy assistant, which stands for COTA. So Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Daniel. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So first of all, um, it's kind of a mouthful to say certified occupational <laughs> therapy assistant. There's a lot to that. So why don't you tell listeners exactly what exactly a COTA is and what do they do? Okay, so CODA, that we like to call ourselves for short, um, we provide services underneath the guidance of an occupational therapist. So I try to explain that to people as kind of like, um, a doctor and a nurse relationship where the doctor, you know, sets up the treatment plan and then the nurse is the one that like administers the medications and things like that. The occupational therapist does the initial evaluations, sets up the treatment plan, and the CODA carries out the treatment plan. As a CODA, we can service so many different individuals. I'm fortunate at the place that I work that I have the option to work in home health, um, in a school setting, inpatient setting, or outpatient clinic, geriatric, feeds. So I get to see all of the different aspects of occupational therapy. And currently, I work in the home health setting, which is wonderful because this is where we get people that have had like a stroke or a major surgery, hip replacement. We get to work with them in their home environment to get them back to functioning as independently as they possibly can and get them, you know, like get their quality of life back. And there's no better place to do that than in your own home, you know, in the comfort of being, you know, in your own kitchen and so the main goal of occupational therapy, why it's called occupational therapy, is the things that you do every day are considered your occupation. So that is where that term came from. A lot of people kind of joke around and will say like, oh, I'm 80 years old. You know, I don't need a job. So, but the things that we do every day, your activities of daily living are considered your occupation. So our goal is to get people back to the point that they can do the things that they do every day that are meaningful to them and get them back to their independence of being able to do those things. I love that. And thank you for explaining that. I was familiar with COTAs and that was even confusing for me. But now after hearing you explain that, it makes a lot more sense. So you mentioned a few types of clients or patients that you work with. Can you elaborate on the different type of clientele that you, you currently see? Yes. So for me right now, I would say the majority of the population that I serve is geriatric. I was in the school setting before. So we worked with kids that had IEPs 
a lot of them struggled with like fine motor coordination, a lot of sensory issues. So we would provide like sensory strategies in the classroom for these kids to be able to perform at the same level as, as their peers. I also worked like I've covered in our outpatient clinic. So a lot of that would be like if somebody had a stroke or had some type of hand surgery, carpal tunnel surgery, getting those people back to being able to return to work or getting like the function back in their hands. We also treat people that are in the hospital because we know that when you're in the hospital, you're laying in that bed and you lose a lot of your strength when you're just laying there, you can't get up. So we do go into the patient's rooms, we get them up, we take them into the, into the restroom, have them wash their face, brush their teeth, we get them up, move them around, help them get dressed and things like that. So that when they go home or if they go to a skilled facility, they haven't lost all of their function and their strength from spending the time in the hospital. So those are just some of the different areas um, that we would work with people in the different settings. That makes sense. So, you know, you mentioned um, a lot of tasks that, you know, people may hear that and they may, they may not be interested in helping people wash their face, wash their hands, helping them, you know, even maybe get out of bed. So it takes a very special person with a very special heart to want to serve a population like that. So, Elaine, can you tell us a little bit about your background and ultimately what made you decide you wanted to work with that population? So I am the mother of an adult son. He's 25. His name is Isaiah, and he is a person with autism. And from the time he was a little guy, we were doing speech therapy and occupational therapy. And I just thought it was so neat. Um, watching the things that they did with him. And I had to come home and apply a lot of those strategies, like with the sensory and things like that. So I was really drawn to watching what they were doing with him and how the things that they were doing was improving his quality of life. And so ever since then, I always had a heart for like wanting to pay it forward or pass that on to other people. Because you can have all of the book knowledge, but when you have, like you said, the heart, it just does something extra. And so I always knew by seeing the difference that it made in his life that it inspired me to want to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. I absolutely love that, um, how you, you use the inspiration of your own son and really seeing his success story and ultimately that resulted in you wanting to help others. That's really, that's really neat. So what does it look like from a career standpoint? What did it actually look like from start to finish um, to become a, what I'm now learning is, is called a COTA, not a COTA, but a COTA. What, what does it take if somebody was listening and they said, you know, I can relate to Elaine's story and this is something that I'm really interested in, where would they start? So at the present time, um, it is an associate degree. So I have an associate degree. So it's two years of schooling, which includes field work. And at the time that I went, you did, you did like a mental health clinical. We did a geriatric. We did a skilled. 
um, which would be like in a nursing home. And then you just had like, um, like a general where you could either do a hospital, um, home health, just, you know, whatever setting that you were able to get into. And you would do two eight week clinicals. I believe that they're trying to push to where it has to be a bachelor's degree, but I don't think it's gotten to that point yet. So right now it's an associate degree. And then after you have completed the schooling, you do sit to become licensed. Um, I live in Ohio, so I'm licensed in Ohio and West Virginia because we, you know, intersect. We're just, you know, we just go right across the bridge and we're right there in West Virginia. So I'm licensed in both. Um, And then the C stands for certified, which you also have to become certified through the National Board of Occupational Therapy. So um, we do carry a lot of letters and there's a lot of certification that you do have to have. And you also have to do CEUs, continuing education credit, to just kind of stay up to date on everything and stay current with like, you know, different treatment processes and, and where we're going in the field of occupational therapy. It's really helpful to know. So in essence, you have to get licensed, certified, and then you have to do CEUs. Is that right? Correct. Very good. And how long did that process take for you? Um, well, I graduated in 2013. I was a non-traditional student. <laughs> I waited till my, I was a single mom. So I waited till the kids were a little bit older for me to be able to, to go back to school. So I was finished with school in June and I was able to sit for my board in July. And um, I started my first job in February. So the, the whole process, once you pass the boards and you find a job, like, you know, you can, you can get moving right away. That's great. I would imagine that there's, um, there's a lot of job positions out there available for COTAs. Is that, is that true? Yes. And the, the bigger the city, the better opportunities there are. I live in a, in a very small area. So right now the job market where I'm at isn't like it is where you are. Like I get emails all the time, like if I'm willing to relocate, but especially with COVID, we're seeing a lot of people that have like long haul COVID. And so um, I look for within the next year or so for there to be a bigger need to try to get these people that, you know, are suffering from the effects of COVID to get them rehabbed back to their old selves again. Got it. So when it comes to your profession, I'm sure you have a lot of really unique stories, you know, stories where you've helped some of your, your clients, you know, live, as you said, a a higher quality life. So um, is there any, any stories that really come to mind when you think about success stories that you've had with your clients? There's really not like, like any in particular. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing are, are like, like the connections that you, that we make with people. Like I do home health. So for me, it's, it's like a whole different level because you're in this person's home and you're like in their living environment. 
so you kind of form like a connection with them that would be different than if you were just, you know, seeing them like once a week in a clinic. For me, though, it's seeing people that like the first time you see them, they can barely get themselves out of a chair without assistance. And a month later, they're able you know, to walk on their own. They're able to get in and out of the bathtub. They're, they're dressing themselves. Or, you know, sometimes you'll see people and they don't feel good. And maybe they, you know, try to get out of doing their session that day. And, and maybe you might just say, you know, like, hey, let's, you know, let, let's just go into the, into the bathroom. Let's just get washed up. And then the next thing you know, that person is like, okay, I feel so much better just from doing that what else do you want to do? And then it's like just giving them that initial, like that initial push of like, Hey, you know, let's, let's just get up, let's move. And then just seeing how different they feel. Like they start to feel like themselves again. Another thing that I like about, about home health is when it's nice outside, being able to take the people outside. And a lot of people like to garden or they like to do their flowers and being able to go outside and, and just seeing the, the difference in, in people's demeanor and, and their emotional status when they get to participate in things that are meaningful to them. I think that's probably my favorite part of this is identifying the things that are meaningful to people and then being able to get them to do those things again. Yeah, I bet that is incredibly rewarding. So if someone was considering a career, you know, considering becoming a, a COTA, you know, what would you tell them or what would you encourage them in terms of making their decision if they're ultimately going to become a COTA or they're going to take a completely different career path? If somebody came to me and told me that this was that like the choice that they wanted to go for as their career, I would tell them that if you're going into it because you think it's going to be easy or you're going into it for, for the money, then turn around and go the other way. <laughs> but if you're going to do it because you genuinely care and you genuinely want to make a difference and be a positive you know, person in somebody's life, you're not afraid to do uh, the, the dirty work because as CODAs, we help people with their ABLs, with their activities of daily living. So we're kind of in there doing the not so glamorous stuff sometimes. And so you, you have to definitely be a, a people person. You have to be a caring and a compassionate person. And you have to be willing to listen. I find that that seems to be one of the, the biggest things that while we provide physical, you know, like therapy to people, a lot of people really just want to be seen. They want to be heard and they just want somebody you know, to talk to and kind of validate how they, how they feel. So you mentioned that you mentioned two things. You mentioned that you don't want to get into this if you're doing it for the money. And you're also don't want to get into this if you're doing it because you think it's going to be easy. So I wanted to talk about both of those components. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was the easy part. So Obviously, there's going to be really challenging parts of what you do in your profession. So what does that look like when you say that it's not easy? What were you, what did you mean by that? What does it look like for, for there to be a challenge in your profession? What would that look like? 
for me personally, I can't speak for everybody. For me personally, the hardest part for me is everybody doesn't jive with everybody all of the time. And learning to understand that it's not just you, that it might just maybe this person's just having a hard time. And sometimes you have to have thick skin because when you deal with people that don't feel good, you know, sometimes they can be mean and they can say mean things and trying to get your personality to click with that person or trying to find like, okay, what's the one thing that I can connect with them on? So while it's a physical job, there's also a lot of, like, of, of mental with it too. You know, you're, you're seeing some people in their most vulnerable time in their life, and there is a lot of loss in this job. So that's hard too because you get very close to people, and then, you know, they, they pass away, and, you know, that can be a difficult part of the job too. Yeah, I could see that being challenging, but I'm sure the, the rewards of the job outweigh the challenges. Is that right? Yes, they definitely do. So a couple other questions for you. So you mentioned, you know, don't get into this for the money. So what does the, the money look like in this profession? You know, what, what kind of salary or hourly rate can someone expect at, you know, just an entry level position with no prior experience? What can they expect to get um, here in the United States for a position like, like what you're doing? Well, um, so when I said about, about doing it for the money, because I think a lot of people, um, I'll just use like like nursing, for example. I know right now, like nurses that are like in such demand. And I think a lot of people are going in that direction because it's paying good. But it's definitely a career that if that's the only reason why you're doing it, that's like the wrong reason. So depending on the setting that you're in and where you're at in, in the country, definitely affects the the amount of money that you'll make doing this. I know where you're at, they pay very well. Um, if you are in like a nursing home setting and a skilled setting, I believe they pay a higher rate than hospitals. So I think like the average entry level from what I see around our area is like $17 or $18. And some of the highest that I that I see like where we're at is like 26. So a lot of it depends on where you live, how much experience you have, and what setting that you're treated in. That makes sense. And when it comes to being a CODA, would the next step being uh, an actual OT? Would that be the next step if you were to con- yes. consider your advance your career path? Yes. And it requires an associate's to become a COTA. I'm assuming that it would be requiring a bachelor's to become an, an, an actual occupational therapist. That job actually requires a master's. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that. That's a, that's a lot of school. Yes. That's why I think they're trying to change the assistant position, why they're trying to make it a bachelor's. Yeah. After, uh, I, you know, a little background on me, I, after high school, um, I had a I had a scholarship to DeVry University. I was gonna I was gonna study uh, technical engineering, and um, I ended up wrecking my car and totaling my car, so I had no way to 
go to school. So I ended up having to drop out of DeVry and um, I ended up just working in the workplace, started working in banking. And then we ended up starting uh, our company in 2016. But I always have so much respect for people like you and even occupational therapists that have to go through so much additional schooling uh, to ultimately land uh, a job in their profession. It takes a lot of work, doesn't it? It does. And like I said, I went back as a non-traditional student. I was in my, I think I was 34 when I went and I was a single mom juggling three kids and, and one with autism. Um, so it it was challenging, but I can say that coming out on the other side, it made it so much more rewarding. Yeah. So I want to end this with the same way that I started it. And one of the things that I started with was talking about our mission. And our mission is to ultimately inspire others towards a career working with the special needs population. So um, Elaine, I'll just... And, and that with you and that, is there anything that you would want to say to just inspire someone uh, to consider a career doing what you do as a COTA? I would say um, anybody that has the desire or feels that God has laid it on their heart to work with the people with special needs, that there is nothing in this world that is going to fill your heart as much as working with this population. They are the most grateful, the happiest, and just, I, I feel like they are just the most rewarding people that God placed on this planet. So if there is anything, you know, that on your heart or, you know, God's planted that seed in you that you feel like this is the way that you want to go, I would say 100% to pursue that. And um, from the parent side, we desire people that want to work with individuals like my son, that their heart wants to be with that population, that they're not just doing it just because, you know, oh, I need, I need a job. But we truly seek and we truly appreciate people that 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 is their heart and that is their mission to improve the lives of people with disabilities and special needs. I love that. I love it, especially what you said about, especially if God put it on your heart. You know, I think that is so incredibly important to follow what the Lord put on your heart because we were all born to do something different. And I think so many people, you know, they graduate high school and they look for the best paying job out there. Mm -hmm. um, that's actually what I did. Um, when I graduated high school, the reason I pursued what I was looking into was because it paid so well. And, um, you know, at the time when I, when I told him my car, it was a disaster and I was very frustrated, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it resulted in me going down a completely different career path where now I get to work with special needs. And um, I, I think that's just a really good way to end and a good word of encouragement that, you know, rather than being led by the dollar signs, be led by your heart. And I think that's ultimately what you're saying here today. Yes. And to be led by the Lord. Because sometimes our hearts get us into trouble. Yeah. The word says <laughs> that our heart is deceitful above all things. So it's so important to be able to discern um, if something in our heart is from the Lord or if it's just our selfish desires, because there's yes. 
there's there's a big difference between the two and one will lead you into God's will and one won't. Yeah. All right. Well, Lane, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed having you on the show and hopefully this encouraged some listeners out there and um, we'll, we'll put your information in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, they can. All right. Thank you. I appreciate this so much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.